Hey, this is Lisa Smith, and I am the pastor and artistic director of Convergence, and I'm here with Dan, our producer and community director. Welcome to The Verge Cast, our very first um, recording episode of our new podcast, The Verge Cast, sitting at the intersection of art, faith, and the human experience, having conversations that matter. And this is the one about George Michael. So um, for this first podcast, I was talking with Dan, we're trying to figure out what to do, and he gave me permission to talk about something of importance to me personally. So um, I, I wanted to talk about uh, an issue that pretty much is on my mind night and day for years and years and years, and that is Prophetic critics and imaginative visionaries. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and funny enough, it's kind of the the backbone of everything that we do at Convergence, um, everything from what we do at the church to what we do uh, with the arts initiative. But it's not something that there's really much of a forum to kind of talk about on a deeper level of what we're really all about in this kind of deeper conversation. So I think this is really a cool venue to maybe just talk about stuff that we don't get to talk about very often. So that's what we're doing today. So I want to give credit for that that phrasing, prophetic critics and imaginative visionaries, to uh, Deborah Haynes and her book, The Vocation of the Artist, and also my friend Elise Edwards, who gave me a copy of that book many, many, many moons ago, right as we were getting started with Convergence. And Elise is a prophetic critic and imaginative visionary in her own right. So, um, yeah, I think this concept and thinking about um, artists in this light has been kind of the backbone of of my quest and my questioning. And so uh, we'll get to kind of defining what in the world it is I'm talking about in a little while. But first, I just want to kind of geek out a little bit and (laughs) gush over someone that I guess would probably, okay, so I was thinking at this point, we're probably going to lose like the entire audience, right? (laughs) Because we'll lose the people who are like, oh my gosh, it's such a guilty pleasure. And then on the other hand are people like within churches who, you know, George Michael is like, ew, the devil or something like that. So, um, yes, George Michael is who I'm gushing over. Uh, Not the George Michael from Arrested Development, although he is super cute as well, but this is the George Michael of Wham! fame, the super short, white short wearing, wake me up before you go-go, George Michael. Um, <laughs> the George Michael of, of faith. Um, and when I was in high school, I guess, in the late 80s, George Michael was very, very popular. And, uh, but I think at that time, his, his album was like Faith, which so like the main songs that were out there were I Want Your Sex and Father Figure and Faith. And so I remember in youth group them telling us, like, we should not listen to George Michael or Prince, by the way. Those were not on the approved list because of the high sexual content in there. And at the time, really, the uh, from my experience, what I saw, a lot of churches were kind of engaged in what was called the culture wars. So I guess reacting against and rebelling against the current culture of music and 
and movies and and the way that they were going about it was was by boycotting and um kind of speaking out against but not much kind of cultural creation so it's kind of an interesting thing for me to put George Michael then in this little basket of prophetic critic knowing that um that history but in the early 90s I remember hearing his album and I don't even know how I got a hold of it um listen without prejudice so this guy who had been this super poppy poppy pop star um then comes out as a gay man through this album, Listen Without Prejudice, which is a deeply thoughtful, soulful album about respecting people and about um, kind of the, the larger, the way we interact with people um, on, a, on a deep, deep perspective. So he has these um, songs obviously about his journey and about being real, I guess, but there's this song on the album called Praying for Time. And that song has, I, I have never forgotten the lyrics to that song. It's so deeply prophetic. Um, I, I felt like, this was I think one of the first times that I was thinking, this song needs to be played in church. The lyrics to the song are like, okay, I'm gonna pull up those lyrics. Okay, I'm pulling up the lyrics right now. Dun, 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 dun. No, I'm not. Sorry. So, their lyrics like, the rich declare themselves poor, and most of the time, and most of us are not sure if we have too much, but we'll take our chances because God stopped keeping score. And this is the part that I love. I guess somewhere along the way, He must have led us all out to play, turned His back. And all God's children crept out the back door. It's hard to love. There's so much to hate. Hanging on to hope when there is no hope to speak of. And the wounded skies above say it's much, much too late. Well, maybe we should all be praying for time. And I just felt like, whoa. This idea that, I mean, even the people, the people in churches who are, um, trying to to show God's love or to be good, that their response was so often one of antagonism and fear and anger. And I just, I, these lyrics even kind of speaking into right now and today that there's so much antagonism and anxiety and the idea that God's presence is one almost like, it's, it, sometimes it feels like God's absent, but w what if we're the ones who are absent? What if we're the ones who crept out the back door? And then this idea of, of seeing God as the wounded skies above and hanging on to hope when there is no hope to speak of. I guess that last line where it says, and the wounded skies above say it's much, much too late. Well, maybe we should all be praying for time. And that thing about praying for time, it seems like the reaction to um, kind of this dehumanized world that we're starting to live in is to grab more for myself or to be against somebody else or to try to figure out how I'm going to take care of myself 
in the midst of all of this and who am I going to align with and who am I not going to align with? And I, I just, you know, does it occur to us to stop and say, let's pray for something different. Let's hope for something different. And in the Christian context, going back to that culture war, you know, there are a lot of people who are really, um, especially at that time, really concerned and consumed with end times and, um, you know, people thinking about heaven and hell and that kind of stuff. And it, I just felt like this this guy was saying, well, if we're all so concerned about that, doesn't it, wouldn't it make sense to, to ask God for more grace, to ask God for more time to stop this coming apocalypse that we think um, is coming, that to, to band together as humanity and say, please have mercy on us, give us, give us more <clears throat> grace and love for one another, which is exactly what the prophets did throughout the history of the Bible. Um, you know, a, a prophet is somebody who has a deep, deep heart for the desire of God, God's desire to be with His people and to to have be reconciled to His people, and then a deep, deep, deep heart for the people that God is is wanting to call back to them. And so the prophet is kind of standing in the middle, both saying to the people, "Come back to God, come see who you were created to be, and live this way," and then turning and facing God and saying, "Give us more time. Have grace with us." Um, have mercy on us. And that's a really powerful message, and it's coming from the short, short guy from Wham! <laughs> you know, in such a powerful way. So it's just kind of crazy to think of, I, I don't know, at the time, I think I was starting to see these things that artists, whether it was movies or music or um, books that I was reading, that, that they just sort of were inherently speaking to things in the culture and questions that they had that I wasn't hearing addressed in that way anywhere else. And I think that's where uh, my kind of interest and love for artists began and wanting to kind of connect this to my spiritual life. So I'll say um, a prophetic critic is kind of as defined by Deborah Haynes as somebody who is attentive to the world around us and is able to hold a mirror up to what is, allows us to see the truth, to tell the truth about who we are and what we're, how we're living in the world. And then an imaginative visionary is somebody who um, helps us to envision a multiplicity of possible futures, which sounds like a big thing, but I think especially right now, that's an extremely important capacity. Because I think when the word prophet initially comes up, People are thinking of somebody who just predicts the future or is predicting doom and gloom. But if you if you look historically at what a prophet does, yeah, they do talk about what's going to happen if you don't do this. But in my mind, a lot of it is just being logical, you know, seeing the if you continue down this path, this is what's going to happen. And what if we did something different? What if we turned at this point and chose a different path? And I think that's the conversation um, for right now. Um, 
So um, I'm kind of thinking, thinking, thinking here. I guess I guess my question here is like, what if what if churches intentionally championed these artists, encouraging them, giving them tools to to mature and to spiritually develop and encourage them to consider issues of faith and what it means to be human? What if churches were playing songs like praying for time in worship? Because obviously, I mean, as as we're all sitting here, we're at this very, very pivotal moment or what feels like a pivotal moment in history where extremely wealthy people are seriously talking about how to survive the coming apocalypse. Like this is a reality that many people are thinking is going to exist. And futurists are saying that the word digital is going to just disappear from our vocabulary within the next 10 years because it will be so ubiquitous. That's just reality. And everybody's realizing that those who control the narrative control the future. So what future do we want to live in? And for me, I think the stories we tell are the stories we live. And the narrative of what it means to be human and the possibilities of our future existence and the landscape of that world it's all up for grabs. So who will dictate that narrative? Is it going to be one that highlights a vision for humanity that reflects being made in God's image and, and working towards God's kingdom, one of grace? Or is it one of futility and despair and dehumanization and the idea that man is just inherently corrupt and evil and and the question then for the future is just how do i survive and how do i protect myself from other people so i guess the bottom line the bottom line is like i want to live in a world that's full of beauty and mystery and possibility and i want to be challenged to live human the way that that was designed. And I'm moved by sweet voices singing in my ear and gripping stories and stirring images and immersive performances. And so I, I guess I'm sounding the call to artists who would be those prophetic critics and imaginative visionaries, wherever they're coming from, uh, to, to, lean deep into that point part of their of their consciousness george michael did an interview about that song later where he just said you know i guess you just reach a point in your career where you know you're you're sort of done writing songs about sex and love you know and you start thinking about the the bigger issues and the bigger the bigger things and in some of his interviews i i just read one little line where he said that um he'd been making music for for 20 years plus one and he hadn't changed anything. And I think that's so sad that he how he felt because he did. I mean, to me, that song has been in my head, but more than any sermon that I've ever heard challenging me about the way that I treat other people and the way that I think about the future. And in a in a big way is is a part of this whole quest for me to to encourage 
those voices, those talented, talented voices who can speak to us in surprising and deep ways and get us to change the way we think about things and to help us change that narrative to be one that's life-giving. So I'm calling on those artists and I'm calling out to the faith communities who might help them get there and just saying, we need you to create the stories that are going to help us live human and help us have a narrative for the future that is life-giving. So I guess that's the one about George Michael. (laughs) Thanks for listening.